everybody. It's the Pick 6 Podcast. It's me, Ryan Wilson, filling in temporarily for Will Brinson. He, uh, as he does every month around this time, he's getting his hair done. So he'll be here in about 15 or 20 minutes. But in the meantime, I'm joined by the great Brian McFadden. BMAC, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Once again, thank you for having me. No, this is a great night to uh, have you on. Uh, you can check out BMAC number one every week on CBS Sports HQ. And not only that, and I was just talking to him about this before we started recording, he just started a new podcast called The Season 2008 Steelers. Started last week. The first episode dropped with Ike Taylor, an hour that's well worth your time. The next episode drops Monday with Heinz Ward. Yep. And it's a look back at the 2008 season where the Steelers had one of the toughest schedules uh, of the entire – any team that year. Won mm-hmm. the whole thing, and Big Mac goes through it point by point. It is hysterical. It gives you the inside look of what's going on in the locker room how people got along, how they dealt with other things. And before we go on, BMAC, I want, I want to play something for you real quick. Yep. Uh, it's <laughs> you and I talking about Byron Leftwich, your teammate back then in 2008, who's now still in, still in the league. He just got promoted yeah. to, uh, offensive coordinator in Arizona. He's supposed to be, people are talking highly of him as a potential head coaching candidate down the, down the, down the road. But th- here's what you and Ike said. Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich probably. Little feet. How you be six foot with size ten shoe? That's no, he was he wore size nine, I. I'm sorry, man. Size nine shoe. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know about Byron Left, which he's six four, six five, he wears size nine. Don't understand that. No, don't, don't understand it. Sense. But he was key for me, he was key because he played with Jacksonville, mm-hmm. which we was talking about earlier, which what which was one of our toughest opponents, yeah. not only in the playoffs, but just during the regular season. In general, and he gave me all the keys. All I had to do was ask B. Love. Yeah. Cause he was a scout team quarterback. And he, and he was time. a great scout team quarterback for us. But for the games, it was, I wouldn't say easy. It wasn't as hard because uh-huh. you already going against a starting quarterback. Yep. With experience. Yes. Yeah. So B. B. Love made my job a lot easier and smoother in games by him being that scout team quarterback. Yeah. He was a huge, huge member he was a big time member for our team but a lot of his work went unseen correct 100 you know to the 100 fans and to the listeners you don't know what he meant to us because like you said i the week of he gave us the best ideal look best looks that we could ask for the best look you could have man you have yeah. a former stone quarterback who's actually <laughs> been a scout team quarterback you're getting game reps at practice mm-hmm. And he's coming at you. He used to love to compete. He only do one speed, though. Fastball. Fastball. He was the Aroldis Chapman (laughs) at the quarterback position. Only one speed. Triple digits. So so let me ask you, how can someone who's 6'5", 245, 250 pounds have size 9 feet? (laughs) You know what? That's something we're still trying to figure out. Uh, of course, you know, when, when we, uh, when we signed Byron, we knew we were getting an experienced player, a player that had started, started quite a bit in the National Football League. Knew we had, we knew he had a strong arm, uh, a very, very explosive passer, but we did not know he had little <laughs> feet. I mean, cabbage patch, patch type feet. I mean, it was so weird because, you know, in the locker room, everybody gets all their shoes, their cleats and have it in their locker. And all of a sudden we just was wondering why his shoe boxes were smaller than everybody else's. It was like, man, are you ordering shoes for a, a child or, you know, maybe a, a little cousin? He was like, no, these are my shoes. We're like, what size are those? We saw nine. 
Like, B-Left, you tripping, man. <laughs> B-Left, you cannot be 6'4", six, 6'5", six, wearing a size 9. That's not even possible. So let me ask you this, though, because he obviously, he did a great job filling in. I remember he had to come in a few times for, for Ben when he was hurt. Mm-hmm. How uh, your interactions with him, going against him in practice, how do you think that translates to what he's doing now for the Cardinals, trying to save that offense that got off to such a terrible start? Well, the thing about B-Left was that he was very, very instinctive. He was very, very smart. And you can tell even back then that he had that coaching swag about him, you know, his ability to communicate, his ability to understand and dictate what defenses were getting ready to do. And he helped us a lot because he saw things from the offensive side that he was able to communicate to us defensively. And therefore we were able to take that out the game plan leading up to Sunday. You know, he might tell us, you know what, I I saw you, you know, getting a little high or I saw you looking at the center. So that told me you were in, in some type of zone. You wasn't really focused in on the receiver, little things like that, little snippets like that kind of gave us a, a, a better notion as far as knowing what some offenses may look at or, or quarterbacks may look at. And we were able to use that to our advantage. He's already using David Johnson way more than he was being used in the weeks before with uh, Mike McCoy before he got fired. So that's, Great news for Byron in Arizona, but let's move on to uh, the current quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger. He went off against the Carolina Panthers, final score 52-21. to I mean, he had five touchdowns, completed 88% of his passes. We talked about this earlier. Why is it that this Steelers team shows up in primetime games and just blows the doors off other teams? It seems like every time there's a, there's a big game. Well, you know, something that we talked about on the podcast, myself and Ike, uh, something that Mike Tomlin always mentioned, always emphasized, emphasized, uh, to us as players. You know, it's a five star matchup because we're in it. And anytime you're playing in a five star matchup, national televised ball games, you know, your peers are watching, you know, your fans and your, and your, and your family, they're watching. So it's important for us to not only put up a good showing, in primetime matchups, but also send a message to the rest of the league. So think about this, Ryan. For for people, football fans, and other teams, players from other teams, not knowing exactly what Pittsburgh has been doing over the last few weeks outside of watching or getting win of the box score or the final score, anything like that, for people that were not quite up to date on how well this team has been performing – they watch that Thursday night ball game. They come away saying, this Pittsburgh team is looking for real. You know, we heard about the defense having issues over a month ago. Right now, they're playing some real inspired football. And that's what you want when you know that you're playing in a five-star matchup, a nationally televised primetime game. You want that matchup. You want that result any Sunday, right? But knowing that you're under, under the lights and everybody is watching you, you have to go out and put forth your best effort. And now, like I said, you watch that Thursday night game again with Pittsburgh. You walked away saying, boy, we know about the Kansas City Chiefs, the Pats. Of course, the Chargers are getting some, some nice recognition, but we can't forget about this Pittsburgh's team right now. Yeah. You talk about everybody watching. Uh, one person who was watching and tweeting a lot during the game was Le'Veon Bell. He's back in Pittsburgh. He was, uh, playing uh, basketball at LA Fitness a couple nights ago. <laughs> uh, New Year old stomping around, you said near McKnight Road. What, uh, what's his plan? Is he coming back? How's this going to work out if he does come back? What's he thinking? 
yeah, he's going to come back. I'm surprised he didn't come back this week and get a free check, free game check. Uh, with this being a short week, Ryan, he could have reported Monday and, you know, just did a, a light workout with the team leading up to Wednesday and got a week's check because if he reported Monday, there was no chance he would play. We all know that because with it being a short week, but with him being in Pittsburgh and still not reporting with this team, I was a bit surprised, but knowing that next week, I think is the final week for him to report and get a full credited season. I expect to see Bell report, I guess Monday would be the next working day for Pittsburgh. And therefore he's, he will be able to get that credited season for 2018. As a former Pittsburgh Steeler who played in two Super Bowls, won one of them, uh, spent a lot of time in that locker room. Uh, are you at all upset when Le'Veon Bell walks through that door for leaving no. hanging? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not upset at all. I think for the players that potentially were upset with him in the beginning of the season, they've moved on and they moved past that. You know, when I was there playing, anytime we got a new guy, because I never really had to deal with any holdouts with any of the normal, uh, you know, usual suspects as far as teammates. But if we signed a new guy before the season, if we signed a new guy during the season, we used to always say if he's willing to help us, uh, he, if he's willing to put his hand in the pile and help us hoist a sticky Lombardi, we were ready to rock and roll with him. And I think that's the same mentality the guys have now, knowing that Bell will eventually return. Yeah, I was really just sort of blown away at how the Panthers didn't show up. They had that great first drive, and then everything just crumbled from there. And one of the plays, there are a lot of plays that stuck out, stuck out to me, but one of the plays was, uh, rookie Dante Jackson, the second round pick out of, out of LSU, ran a 4-3-40 the combine. He's had a pretty good season shutting down other teams' opponents, and he got beat on a 53-yard touchdown pass. And look, to his credit, it was against Antonio Brown. A lot of people can say they got beat by Antonio Brown, but he was fired up after that, after that play. I think he felt like he had been, uh, there was offensive pass interference. He tossed his helmet once he got off the field. He was fired up throwing, uh, banging on the, on the uh, bench. Um, what could he have done as a young cornerback to try to stop the best wide receiver in football? Well, the issue uh, that Jackson, you know, got himself into was that playing press technique, Antonio outsides release him uh, going down the football field. Uh, Dante was anticipated and looking for the back shoulder fade. Uh, and he had pretty good coverage. He was actually in the hip pocket of, uh, of Browns, of AB. But when you look for the back shoulder fade, and that is not the pass the receiver is getting ready to receive. Now you put yourself in a very, very vulnerable position because now you have to relocate the football all over again and trying to do that and running full speed is something that you will not, you will never be able to accomplish. So with, with what, with what Antonio did was, and Big Ben saw the leverage that Antonio had on, on, on Jackson. So he threw the ball as a normal fly ball, as a normal go route. And Antonio was running full speed, so Jackson initially looked over his right shoulder to try to look and play for the back shoulder fade. And when he realized the back shoulder fade was not coming, he decided to turn all the way around and look over his left shoulder. And by that time, he lost uh, a coverage on Antonio. And that made him reach. And when he started to reach, that's when he lost balance and he fell and the rest is history. <laughs> so most importantly for me, the thing that he could have done differently, if you're going to give up a pass, the back shoulder fade is the pass to give up because you can live to fight another day. You can potentially push him out of bounds. You can make the tackle. But if you're going to give up that deep pass, 
there's no living for another day. You're not fighting another day. We saw that that provided a huge touchdown reception over 50 yards on that plate. That back shoulder fade, if it happens, is maybe 20 yards, maybe 15, 20 yards, 25 yards, depending on where he catches the football. You can your defense can come back up, defend the turf once again. You get a chance to, to, to defend every blade of grass. Giving up a 50 yarder, I mean it's a touchdown. Defense runs to the sideline. Speaking of uh, living to fight for another play, uh, it's been a rough season for Artie Burns, the 2016 first-round pick. He got in uh, late in the game, got a offense, uh, defense pass interference in the end zone. Uh, the Panthers scored a few few plays later. What if have you been in a situation where your 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 confidence is low, and how do you get over it for someone like Artie Burns? Because this team does not have a lot of depth in the secondary. Well, I think most importantly for Artie, he has to find a way to get his confidence back. And it's not helping knowing that he's not in the rotation anymore. He's not in the starting lineup anymore. So the most important thing for Artie, knowing that he's not a starter, he has to develop his confidence during the week. He has to be mentally involved during the week, physically involved, and he has to work hard. That has to be his game day. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday has to be his game day. Knowing when you're not a starter, you're pretty much a scout team player. So your job is to give Antonio Brown and Juju Smith the best look possible from the opposing corners. They will face that upcoming game day. So he needs to go at that matchup like this is a game for him. And really right now what you're seeing from Artie is a guy that's losing confidence. This was a kid that potentially could be one of, uh, en route to being a for real consistent corner. And now he's going in the wrong direction, which is weird because he has a skill set. He's athletic. He's just missing the mental part because his confidence has been rattled. So for him, he has to gain confidence. He has to believe in his ability. You're a first rounder, so that will provide leverage for him. I don't see him being cut this season or next season because he will be a fourth year guy, if I'm not mistaken. So of course they probably won't pick up his fifth year option, but that will still provide an opportunity. But he still has an opportunity this year. He has to understand and take these games, these these moments seriously when he came into the ball game this past Thursday night the game was already over but you cannot go into the ball game with your head hanging low you have to really show this organization you know what I'm going to compete and I will earn my job back uh one of the things that I found interesting is that the defense made some changes before uh in training camp before the season started and they took a, a while to take hold but it seems like to me TJ Watt on the left side, Bud Dupree on the right side has been a game changer. We know how good Cam Newton and Steph Tewitt are in the middle and Javon Hargrave. But what is going on with that front seven that's so different than it was the first month of the season? They're starting to jail. Uh, they're starting to jail. And the secondary is playing better. So the second, with the secondary playing better, Ryan, that allows the front to get to have time to get to opposing quarterbacks because wide receivers are not running scot-free. Remember early in the year when they played Jack, uh, Kansas City? Mm-hmm. I mean, Patrick Mahomes they didn't have time to get back there to Patrick Mahomes because so many wide receivers or pass catchers are open. He was just picking and choosing where he wanted to go with the football. So I don't care who you had rushing Patrick. It didn't matter because the secondary did not do their job as far as covering pass catchers. Now they're doing a much better job, and it starts with Joe Hayden. He's been really playing some real good football. Uh, Thursday night, he followed Devin Funches. Devin Funches, three catches for 32 yards on five targets. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was the lead, was the leading receiver, uh, pass catcher with five catches. You didn't get anything out of the wide receivers this past Thursday night. So that tells you the secondary, they're doing a, a, a much better job. And that allows guys like TJ and Boyd Dupree 
and Vince Williams to get back there. And, and ultimately, they had five sacks on Cam Newton, who is a mobile quarterback. Cam only had twelve sacks coming into this coming into this game, and that yeah. the the offensive line was was decimated with with injuries, and they were getting after it the 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 front seven, especially the front four. Uh, we haven't talked much about the Panthers. Where did the Pan- the Panthers came in this game? Six and two, riding high, playing some really good football, able to come back when they when they gotten down uh, gotten down early, breathing down the neck of the Saints. Where do you go from a fifty two to twenty one whooping? <laughs> you really gotta. Look look in the mirror and, and, and ask yourself, what type of team are we? Because the, the Panthers are a bit tricky. I know I've been asked this question uh, about a week ago. Do I consider the Panthers to be a playoff caliber team? At that time, they were 5-2 and two, uh, right after their most recent victory. I said no. Even with them being 5-2, and two, I said no, and here's why. Looking at their schedule and looking at some of the wins, uh, they struggled week one against Carolina, uh, Cowboy, against Dallas, and they won. Uh, they lost to the Falcons. They beat Cincinnati. They barely beat the Giants. And we know the Giants are a bad ball club. They lost to the Redskins. They come from behind victory in the fourth quarter. Well, the Eagles just decided not to run the football. They came back and won. Now Took care of business against Baltimore. Almost lost last week uh, to Tampa. And then you play against a playoff caliber team on the road, and it wasn't even close. So now you got hit in the mouth by Pittsburgh. You traveled to Detroit the next week. You got Seattle. You travel to Tampa and, and, and Cleveland. In my opinion, if they're a playoff caliber team, you finish the next four ball games no worse than three and one. Playoff caliber teams beat teams they're supposed to beat. So sounds, you have sounds Detroit. like you don't think they're going to go three and one. I don't think they're going three and one because they have three of those ball games, three of the next four ball games on the road. They travel to Detroit, and I don't think Detroit is a playoff team at all, mm-hmm. but I just still have my reservations about this Carolina Panthers team, in my opinion, because – Detroit, Seattle, Tampa, Cleveland, will they go in three and one? Will they go three and one, Ryan? Based on their record, they should. I'm just not quite sold on them yet, just yet. Okay, so let's get out of here on this. The Steelers obviously got a huge win, six, two and one, top of the division. They got coming up the Jaguars. They got coming up the Broncos and the Chargers. Uh, what's going to happen the rest of this season? What do you think is going to happen on this Steelers team? They're red hot. Are they going to be able to sustain I, that? I, it's it's a very very tough stretch, um, starting with Jacksonville. But by that time, we don't know what Jacksonville team we will see because they have a tricky ball game, a divisional matchup this weekend against the Colts. You know, if Jacksonville loses that ball game, that team internally they're going to tear each other apart, <laughs> right? But also too, that's a revenge type of ball game. Jacksonville had the Steelers number two uh, twice two, a year ago. So traveling to Jacksonville, traveling to Denver, the next four ball games really will tell the tale of the story. I think they're in a very, very good position to win their division. But if you're part of the Pittsburgh Steelers team, the organization right now, we, we know the division is ours to lose. It, this stretch is not about divisional championships. This stretch is about playoff seeding in the AFC. You want to have an opportunity to have everything come through Pittsburgh. Because you still have a shot at the Kansas City Chiefs if they have a, a, hit, a, a, a mishap or two. The same can be said for the New England Patriots. So you are fighting for playoff seating, uh, playoff seating right now. The month of November is where you really distinguish where you will be in the tournament. So me personally, this next, these next four ball games and all four are against AF, AFC teams. 
You have to find a way to take care of your business in these next four ball games because after that, after the Raiders, which is the, the final, uh, is the fourth ball game, you have the Pats, the Saints, and the Bengals. Mm. That's still a tough stretch. Also, yeah. so, so what is what is Tomlin telling the team over this, these next few weeks? What, what's his like? His uh, you talk about him having these Tomlinisms, these things that he gets you guys motivated. What's his one or two words that he's saying to these guys to get them focused? It's almost time to get in playoff mode. And what I mean when I say that, listeners, playoff mode, you know if you lose a ball game, you're done. There's no tomorrow. And I think seeing what is what's going on throughout the entire AFC right now, teams like the Pats, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're un, they understand and know everything I just mentioned as far as seeding. We know nobody wants to go through New England in the playoff time. <laughs> right? That's right. I was going to say, what's where's the tougher place to play in, in January, uh, Kansas City yeah. or New England? You don't want to go to New England. Not with <laughs> Touchdown Tom and Belichick. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, I tried my hand with a young, flashy quarterback right. in Patrick Mahomes, but let's go to Arrowhead. You do not <laughs> want to go to Gillette Stadium in January. No. So with that being said, Mike Tomlin, in my opinion, it's time to get in playoff mode right now because there's a good chance with the Pittsburgh Steelers having that tie on their record they will have to go above and beyond teams like the Pats and the Chiefs to be able to have a home potential matchup knowing that these those two teams are playing pretty good football. Not to mention, don't forget about the Chargers. That's right. And people you are know? sleeping on the Chargers too. Yeah. Now, granted, they don't have any home field advantage playing in StubHub Stadium. Well, soccer stadium. The capacity is, what, 18,000? But <laughs> you, you don't want to travel and play off football if you can control your own destiny. Listen, BMAC, thank you. Uh, for joining me, uh, late after the game, uh, I, I forgot to record half the podcast, so you were kind of, kind of stick around and do it again. Uh, once again, it is 2008, the Steelers podcast. Please check it out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. I can't recommend it enough. BMAC, we'll talk soon. Thank you, brother. Uh, thank you for having me. Okay. Brinson just strolled in. His hair looks fantastic. Beautifully quaffed. Uh, hang around. He's going to be with RJ White. They're going to go through every game. On Sunday, Week 10 action, give you their picks, so hang around for that. All right, thanks to Ryan Wilson holding it down with BMAC. You know what's smart? Getting somebody to fill in for you on uh, on the Pick 6 podcast when you know that you got to go to an NC State football game. Um, you know what's not smart? Agreeing to do a 8 a.m. hit on HQ the day after you go to an NC State football game. I'm not always smart. You should be smart, and you can be smart when you hire by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash pick, P-I-C-K, to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology, scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, you, my listeners, our listeners, can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive address on the World Wide Web. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash pick. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash P-I-C-K. ZipRecruiter.com slash pick. Go to ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Speaking of smart, we got the smartest guy in the room. R.J. White. I'm Will Brinson, of course. Ryan Wilson and Brian McFadden really did fill in and broke down the Steelers for us. That was very nice of them. Of course, R.J., as we're recording this on Thursday, people know that by now. Um, oh, you know what? I forgot to put the Steelers. I forgot to put my Super Contest picks in. I was going to put in the Steelers. Should I Good do job. it? Should I do it now? 
You gonna bug Maddie again, trying to get your picks in late? Should I do it? Should I do it? It's three ten while we're recording this. They'll be annoyed, won't they? Probably. Okay, I'll just do, do, it, do it anyway. Who cares? You think so? Sure. Uh, okay, I'm gonna do it. Screw it. Uh, I'm gonna do it right now while we're live. Well, we're not. Well, we're not live. But I'm putting in the Steelers, so people will know whether or not I won or lost the Steelers. Oh God, I hate these picks. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hate these picks so much, RJ. Um, I'm I'm so looking forward to fading whatever it is you're putting in right now. <laughs> I'm just gonna take the opposite side. That's fine. But now, now you can't worry about your picks being like my picks this week. Um, okay, I don't know if it submitted or not. Um, good, good luck, Will. Thank you. Oh, it's submitted. Oh, jeez. You're going to need it. This is good podcast material. Anyway, uh, Pete Prisco is not here this week because he got so hot that he, and his, like, he's so tan already that he evaporated into thin air because he's so warm right now in terms of making picks. Um, is it annoying to you? Do you get annoyed when people, uh, beat you in picks? Like, does that bother you at all? No. No? Just got to be better. But what is your mindset if somebody's beating, like if you're getting beaten picks, are you like, all right, I gotta prove. I mean, there's what, 330 million people in the US, somebody's gonna beat me in picks. And I'm not, I'm not that egotistical to think that I'm the best person in the world at picking games, so somebody's gonna beat me. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I guess that's one way to look at it. I think that I can beat anybody. I'm not doing it this year. I'm gonna try and get better if I get these super contest picks in. Uh, yeah, if, if I was losing to you, then I'd be mad. Right, 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 cause I'm just throwing crap against the wall. Cause you're terrible. Pete, Pete, it's telling me I gotta log in, so maybe I just won't take the Steelers. Um, either way, People will find out what our picks are. Let's dive in to those picks, RJ, uh, and, and we'll recap. Oh, it says they are submitted. That's exciting news for me. Um, so I took the Steelers. <laughs> in case people don't know, <laughs> people are people are really thrilled by this. That's, that's one loser. Uh, that you think? I think it'll be a winner. Um, oh, I, li- I like the Steelers side too. I'm just saying that it's probably a loser. Yeah, you're right. It probably Mister Rush to get his picks in at the last minute. I know. I totally forgot. Um, so anyway, uh, in the super contest, oh no, I went two and three. You went two and three. Pete went four and one. He has now caught you in the actual super contest. Twenty three and a half points. I'm at twenty and a half. That's pathetic. I'm just. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be better off fading myself at this point. I'm below five hundred. Uh, pick six pod picks. Say that three times fast. Pete went plus ten to go eight and four. Uh, you went minus one with a seven and five week, and I went f- minus eight with a four and eight week. Thank God we don't have a full leaderboard for the season because I'm doing very terrible. That takes us to do you, do you want to comment on how terrible I'm doing? You're doing awful, and yeah, I just I, I went seven and five, but still minus one because I didn't put the right weights on my picks. I hit all my my one point picks. And I missed, I think, all my three-point picks. So it was, I would have been better just, you know, erasing the top half of my card and then going with whatever my, my shrugs were last week. You know what bothers me is like if you're in one of those weighted pools where you have to weight each game, that sometimes they let you do the default thing. And then, and a lot of people do that and end up winning big because they just get the early games right. Like that bothers me. I think you should have to weight the games yourself. You shouldn't be able to put them in by the default weighting. Maybe Pete's default weighting. That could be the problem. You should write an angry letter about it. To who? I don't know. Exactly. Uh, segment one, if you could play only one. These are our top priorities. And by the way, we have Pete's picks. So if you want to keep riding Pete, he's on fire. Uh, we will, oh wow, I can't believe his top pick. Uh, we will, um, mention his top pick. And his top pick, RJ, is something that we both like. And I sort of wish I'd put in my super contest, but I didn't. The Clippers, I mean, the Clippers, the Chargers minus nine and a half at Oakland. Pete is taking a 10 point road favorite to cover. We don't disagree. And I actually had the Chargers as a three. You also had them as a three. Pete had them as a four. This is not a bet on the Chargers or Phillip Rivers or anything like that. It's just a bet against Oakland, right? Right. So if it was the Clippers at Oakland, <laughs> 
Would we still lay the nine and a half? I, they have to play. Let's, they have to play football. Like just you know, be clear. So would the Clippers beat the Oakland Raiders in football by ten points? What do you think? Uh, yes. Would the Raiders? Would the Raiders keep it within fifty points of the Clippers in basketball? Uh, no. Okay. I bet. I used to bet when I was in college. My favorite bet, and this was when John Gruden was um with the with the Raiders. Actually, the first time. My favorite bet was Raiders. Raiders over. And the Clippers over on a Sunday night parlay. Get your money back parlay. I think I hit it like three or four times. Um, fun story. I don't yeah, think so. I'd expect a normal bad team to cover in this spot. And, and I, but you know, Oakland looks done. They look like they quit. So that's why I put them as a three pointer. Even with that, I'm still going to try not to put the Chargers on my card because, you know, you don't want to lay that many points on a road team no matter what. But there's a huge yards per play difference here. Um, the Chargers are 1.3. I think they're the best in the league. Oakland's one of the worst at negative 1.1. DVOA agrees with the split. Chargers are 21% better than an average team. Raiders are 30% worse. So this line makes sense when you look at it through those contexts. Oakland's lost by 14 or more in their last four games. Two of those have been at home against worse teams than the Chargers. So I don't know that um, this where this game is really makes that much of a difference. Char- the, the Raiders have the worst D in the league against the pass. And Rivers is having a great season. I think he has like two picks in, in seven games, eight games, whatever he's played. Um, home dogs have at least nine and a half points if you're worried about playing such a big home favorite the home dogs of at least nine and a half points are just 13 and 15 against the spread since 2013 so it's not like these home dogs are are covering by a large rate over the last five years um so if oakland gets outside the number my problem with taking them is if they get down say 17-3 at halftime or something like that are they going to battle back or are they going to give up and they've shown week in and week out that they're a team that gives up so do you want to be taking the points with the Raiders needing them to come to get an extra touchdown in the fourth quarter or get 10 points in the fourth quarter knowing that they're a team that gives up week in week out I don't think you want to do that. No, I don't think you do either. And I think this is one of those games too RJ where you know we sort of hinted at it and talked about it on this podcast but with with the way that modern NFL scoring works I think it is very possible that the that the Chargers could be up ten, and you're thinking, okay, I can get an Oakland back door, and the Chargers will keep their foot on the gas and be able to do it against a very bad Oakland defense, and then you end up getting, you know, you're uh, Chargers up twenty one or something like that. Like you're just not going to get a back door here, so I don't see how you can take Oakland. I get that um, most of the the sharp money is on Oakland. I understand why. Uh, it's a you know it's a, it's a home dog, and Philip Rivers, by the way, three picks on the season, but completing sixty seven percent of his passes. Your no, we'll go to mine first because you like this one too. So does Pete. Uh-oh. Uh oh, my number one pick. Mm, I just saw yours. I don't like yours. My number one. <laughs> my number one pick. The Seattle Seahawks catching nine and a half against the Rams. Pete is also on this as a three. You're on this as a two. The reality is this, like the Chargers and the Raiders line, is an overreaction to what happened last week with the books getting battered by by the public and a bunch of favorites and big favorites winning. So they made the favorite even bigger. Uh, the Chargers, I mean, the, the, the Seahawks hung with the Chargers. They're a good running team. The Rams' defense is not that good. They can get burnt deep. Marcus Peters is struggling in coverage. They don't have a pass rush. The Seahawks are going to be able to run the ball against this team, and I think the Seahawks will keep it within the number fairly comfortably, and I think they will even have a shot to win at the end. Yeah, 24th versus the run per DVOA is what the Rams' defense is. Seattle's has 150 rush yards 
per game, at least per game in the last five. So this is a team that can run the ball, can control the pace with the run, and can keep scoring points where other teams probably couldn't hang with the Rams. The Rams haven't covered the closing numbers since week three, aside from an easy win against San Francisco. Um, we had that one uh, against Minnesota on Thursday night where it was a push for a lot of people. They closed at seven and a half, so it was actually a loss for the Rams, and they haven't covered any of the other ones, even though they were on that huge 8-0 run for the season. The last game these two teams played together was 33-31, and that wasn't fluky for Seattle. They had a lot of long drives. I believe three of their four touchdown drives were 74 yards or more, and the other was from midfield, so 50 yards. Um, so the Seattle can move the ball consistently. It's not like they got some fluky Bills type of fumble recoveries and then and took advantage of short fields. Uh, Russell Wilson hasn't been more than a 7.5-point dog in his career. And Aaron Rodgers covered versus the Rams in the same time. I believe I heard uh, Kelly Stewart say in your Thursday pod that he's, th- that he's you like that, didn't you? I yeah. just just listened to it. Is a three and zero, I believe, as a t- even just a seven point um, dog or seven or seven and a half point dog. I actually rolled it back a little bit more in the Russell Wilson era. When Seattle's more than a three point dog, so three and a half or worse, Seattle's nine and one against the spread. Their only loss in that stretch was in week two against Chicago. They were a four-and-a-half-point dog. They lost by seven, so they still didn't get blown out. Seattle just isn't a team that gets blown out uh, in games where they're the underdog. And so expecting them to lose by 10 or more in this game, I think, is uh, pretty pretty dumb. And I'm probably going to be on Seattle in the Super Contest. I still haven't decided because when you get that explosive offense like the Rams have, you never know with how many points they're going to score. But Seattle seems like a great pick at this moment. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've, Seattle is one of my contest picks, uh, assuming that, that the guys put it. It'll be one of my contest picks either way. It's my best pick um, on this board too, and I, I like if you. If you again, and I've said this on Thursday when I was talking to Kelly, um, if you can get Seattle plus ten, take it now. It's going to come down under ten. It's going. I think it's going to close closer to eight, just because there's going to be action on Seattle from sharp guys who are, who are going to hit it. But double digits for the Seahawks is just too many points. Pete likes him as well. RJ's number one pick of the week. RJ has the Buffalo Bills minus twenty eight and a half against Alabama. That's a bold take, RJ. I would not bet that. The Bills can't score 20 and a half points because you and me. You and I talked about that. I mean, so Jeff um, Sherman of uh, the Westgate or Superbook USA tweeted out that the Bills would be 28 and a half a point favorites over Alabama. I mean, I would hammer Bama, but I'm a sucker. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I don't know how the Bills score. I would, I would probably go tease the Bills up mm. or te- tweet the Bills up. So you're getting like Bama, like 34 and a half and then tease the under. So whatever they put the un- over under. No, at, I'd rather tease the Bills whatever. down and give the Bills 21. Uh, no. Well, when you tease them up, then you get them to 34 and a half. Are they scoring 35? They're not scoring 35. I'm not, te- I'm not teasing the Bills down. I'm teasing them up because they mm. can't score. Aaron Kessler, a uh, friend of the program who works at the Golden Nugget was like, this is, a, he thinks it's a name your price game for the Bills. They can score as much as they want with LaShawn McCoy just out of pure, uh, physical overmatching the, the Bama. And interestingly with Bama, they're only 11th in defensive, um, S&P rating, which is like DVOA. Uh, there's actually, there were a worse defensive team than Clemson, which is worth noting for the college football playoff. Uh, back to the NFL. Speaking of defensive stars, you got the Chicago Bears minus six and a half against Detroit. Mm, why? Yeah, it seems like I'm the only one that loves this game because I don't think Detroit's very good. Chicago's a far better team according to yards per play differential. They're a half a yard per play better than average. Detroit is half a yard per play worse. And they're a better team in DVOA, 22.4% better than an average team. Detroit is minus 19.3 um, in DVOA. So they're actually more of a bad team as opposed to like a middling team. And I think a lot of people think Detroit is a middling team. Um, so you say, okay, they'll come in. Detroit maybe score some points against this good Chicago defense. But Chicago's offense has been a better 
uh, unit than Detroit's offense. They're 14th in pass DVOA. Detroit is number 21, and that's where we think of Detroit doing doing their businesses via the pass. Chicago D is obviously the best in the league. Detroit D is bottom four against both the pass and the run. Chicago takes advantage of bad defenses and can scheme guys open and does things like that game against Tampa where it takes a, good, a bad defense for, to just open things up for Trubisky. I think this is a similar game. I think Detroit has a bad defense as well, and Chicago's going to get their points in this. Then you look at the injury report. Chicago's getting Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson back. That's two stars, one on each side of the ball. And Detroit lost a big piece of their offense when they traded Golden Tate away. It really seemed like they were missing something in that game against Minnesota. They couldn't move the ball well at all. I think they might have scored a touchdown at the end of the game, but it was something like 24-9. Um, Chicago has as good a D as Minnesota at this point. Mm. This game is in, this game is in, they do. Minnesota's mm. D hasn't been playing as well this year as they did last year. So I like Chicago's D in that matchup. Uh, Detroit was getting four and a half at Minnesota last week. So you look at them getting six and a half. You probably say, oh, Chicago's not as good as Minnesota overall. So this, this line is out of whack. But Chicago gets three and a half for home field. And that line made no sense last week in the way. My, my power ratings number had, uh, the Vikings should have been favored by eight and a half in that game. Then when you compare that to this line, it looks about right. Minnesota, two points better than Chicago. Um, Detroit's only road win was against Miami. Miami D was complete no show in that game. And you're not going to get that from Chicago. Chicago's going to show up for this game. And the Detroit road losses before Minnesota were to San Fran with Jimmy G and Dallas. Those teams are about on par with Detroit. Um, maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse, but I, I just don't see Detroit being competitive in this game. Mm. I've got Detroit in my super contest pick, so I hope you're wrong. You scare me now that you mentioned can it. I, can I make it a five-pointer then, yeah. now that I know that? Yeah, you sure can. Did I have it? What did I have it? I had it as a, uh, I had it as a three probably. I got aggressive this week. No, I had it as a two. I just think, and, when you when you make the point now I'm now I'm nervous I shouldn't have put my picks in uh, mm-hmm. now when you when you make the point that uh, that that uh, the Vikings should have been eight and a half and this is six and a half that does make more sense um, it I was just a dumb line last week and we knew it because we were all we Minnesota. loved it yeah and we should have hammered I mean Minnesota should have been the the, the four point lock of the week maybe it was for Pete um, we got scared because of the week before we all had him as four I points. got scared because that stupid face facer on iTunes who wrote that take Minnesota take, he like made fun of us for taking Minnesota I got scared because of an iTunes review what kind of pathetic human am I I'm not going to get scared because of your uh your little your little suggestion here RJ White I don't care I'm not I'm not worried Con- conspiracy theory I was the guy on iTunes <laughs> oh my Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried. Mr. Trubisky shouldn't be laying a touchdown to anybody. I will take the Lions to keep it close. Hey, look, Matthew Stafford's not going to have – I don't think they're going to so win. You wouldn't lay a touchdown if it was Bears-Bills because Trubisky isn't that bad when you just saw what happened with the Bears-Bills. Okay, not the Bills. The Bills are not a team. Bills are not Bills – Anybody. Are, Bills are worse than Alabama, okay? Arizona. Arizona in Chicago. You're not laying a touchdown. The Cardinals almost beat the Bill, the Bears, 16-14. Like in lost, Arizona. I, I don't think they should lay a touchdown. Okay. Um – Hmm. Okay, moving on. Agree to disagree. We really need some sound bites for these. Um, if somebody could, uh, somebody listens to this program and they're in charge and can yell at people, yell at some, yell at some intern and tell them to make us some sound bites. I can't do it. Uh, agree to disagree. Will, uh, I'm reading straight off your rundown. Uh, we are on different <laughs> sides of three games. First up, Jacksonville and Indianapolis. Okay, I don't think I put, I really should have paid more you attention. definitely did. We've, we've established this. I don't make mistakes. <laughs> No, 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 no. I got Jackson. I like Jacksonville here. I got Jacksonville right. plus the three. I just think right. this is a, this is a look. It's a it's a three point game for home field advantage. Indianapolis and Jacksonville are basically the same in DVOA. One team is overachieved and one team is underachieved. The only difference is, I think getting Leonard Fournette back is going to help a lot. 
having Carlos Hyde there too. If the offensive line can get a little bit healthier, Jacksonville has to jump out to a hot start. If they don't do that, they'll lose. That's just how Jacksonville operates. If, I'd, if, 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 if. I if, don't if. think that Indianapolis can blow out the Jacksonville Jaguars in Indianapolis, but I think Jacksonville can blow out Indy. I love, I love Indy. They're a physical team. They're underrated, but I'm taking the Jaguars plus three here. Indy scored 34 plus points in four of their last five before I the saw, bye. I saw that. That's scary. 220 plus rush yards in the last two. So it's not just Andrew Luck. Their running game is getting going. Uh, Jacksonville's D can slow that Indy offense down when they are at their best, but are they going to be at their best? They had a rough stretch before the bye. They're giving up 40 points to Dallas. You know, the, the, this isn't the same Jaguars unit as it was last year. Indy plays the run pretty well. So this might game might come down to Ken Bortles win a game on the road. And if you, if you want <laughs> oh, to just make this a three point game and you have Andrew Luck on one side and Blake Bortles on the other and you're rushing to take Blake Bortles on the road, I'll take Andrew Luck. This seems like a easy pick to me. It might end up on my card. I have it as a two pointer right now, but, and it seems like everybody loves the Jaguars because they just expect this bounce back coming off the bye. Indy got their bye too. They're getting healthy as well. You know, I like Indy in this one. I thought we were under the, I, I did not take the Jaguars in my, uh, in my super contest, uh, pick. So that's, that's good news. Um, I, that's at least one good move you've made so far. <laughs> bound to make, bound to, bound to accidentally, uh, uh, make one at some point. I don't know. I, I, like, I just think maybe, maybe I'm doing the stupid thing where it's like I'm waiting for something to happen and it's just not going to happen. I might, I mean, I might be doing that and that's okay. At least I'm self aware that it's happening. I feel like the Jaguars are going to tweak something. And they're not going to just die on the vine. They're just not going to wither and die and be a terrible football team. They have to get it together at some point defensively. They're too but, good defensively. And the first point you made, wasn't it like Leonard Fournette's coming back? Like you're going to bank on Leonard Fournette getting through 60 minutes in this game? I, no. I mean, I, I just, <laughs> they, the Jaguars can't play from behind. and They haven't had a chance to be in the lead in a while. I think they you – know, You know who can play from behind? The Colts. The Indianapolis Colts. Yes, they with can. Andrew Luck at quarterback. They certainly can. They're look. The, the Colts are a good team. I like the Colts. I wish I'd taken the Colts over for the season. The Colts could still win the division. This is a big divisional game. If the Jaguars lose this game, are you locked on your Jaguars season total? Um, More or uh, less. not quite locked because they'll be three and six, so they could win their last seven and go ten and six and beat me. But I had under nine, so they would have to go six and one to tie, five and two to to uh for and i've win the the, the well, bet at that point when that goes under will you and eric k who i believe split the bet with you or at least as a percentage of your bet um will you guys walk over to pete prisco when he shows up one day and do some sort of grind dance in his face no we'll just slowly walk by his desk when he's not paying attention and we'll go loser <laughs> i love it um pete man he loved it. last year before the season, he's like, the Jaguars under is a lock. Trust me, you don't want to take the under. They went well, 10 games. and should have won like 12 games. This year, he's like, oh, there's no chance they don't go over nine wins. And here they are at three and five, potentially about to head to three and six. Um, oh, man, you're against me on this one too, huh? I got Miami plus catching nine and a half at Green Bay. I have it as a two. Pete has Miami as a three. Do you don't see Pete fade Aaron Rodgers much. You've got Green Bay as a one. Um, my logic here is obviously that Brock Osweiler – is better than Aaron Rodgers, and I'll take Brock Vember. You don't, you don't, you don't get Brock Osweiler catching nine and a half points and not take it. That's just how you. That's exactly. how it goes. Um, I, I do think that the Packers' offense. This is the the dangerous spot is that Green Bay is like this is an fu get right game. That would be my concern. Um, they did this against the Bills. They named their price against the Bills after the Bills beat the Vikings, and, and they they slaughtered them. Um, I think Miami can move the ball fairly well against the Green Bay defense, and Why? I think. I don't know. I don't think my Green Bay's defense is that if, good. They've had two games with I think under 175 yards of offense this year. Like they're they're a terrible offense. 
So sure. Uh, this line, this line is too. This line is inflated based on what happened last week. This should be seven and a half or six and a half. It shouldn't be nine and a half. That's a maybe. full. My, my, I don't know. My power ratings line had it at nine and a half. Did it really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Which means like I should be a stay away. And I only have Green Bay as a one, so technically I guess I am a stay away. I have. I think that they have a huge yard per play advantage in this game. It's just like that Chicago Detroit game. It's like point five to negative point five. Miami isn't a five and four team. They're not going to win this game. You know they're not going to win this game. I don't they're think they will. Game. I don't think they will. So I think when you take it, when you even if it's a big line like this, I think you have to have some expectation that they could win the game. And I don't see any path with that offense that they win this game against Aaron Rodgers. Um, their offense looks terrible. It's a must win for Green Bay. You know they're at Seattle on Thursday next, and they're at Minnesota. Mm. If they if they don't win this game, they can just kiss the playoffs goodbye. At Seattle next Thursday. See, this is exactly. This is not a go out and 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 slaughter somebody game. This is a let's get through here and not worry about it, and then get to Seattle. So Miami, when they win games, they take advantage of turnovers, right? You know, you see them get those those picks against uh, Sam Darnold. Aaron Rodgers has thrown one pick all year. You're not going to be able to count on those type of interceptions. They're in going to try and run the ball, and Aaron Jones will fumble seven times. That is true. You, you could possibly get the Aaron Jones two fumble, get bench game, and then the whole thing is on Jamal. Oh Williams. God, it's it, that's Ty Montgomery's music. <laughs> yeah, Ty Montgomery is not going to play in this game. I can guarantee that. <laughs> I can also I can also guarantee that. Um, that's that's fine. This game stinks. Nobody wants to bet on that game. Yeah, stay away. Stay away from this. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take it either. I don't. I didn't take that in my super contest picks either. Um, right. I did take the Lions, as I said. Uh, Arizona catching sixteen and a half at Kansas City. Sorry, RJ. Don't care what your power ratings say. Too many points. My power ratings say that's a good pick by you. It should be thirteen, thirteen and a half. Right. Exactly. I've got. I've got Arizona. Uh, I actually put Arizona in the super contest at the last second. Oh God. Um, oh God. Like really, you're going against Kansas City. It's just too many points. Kansas City, if you look at their, they've only beaten one team by more than 17 points. They shouldn't be laying 16 and a half points. And I think that this, we talk about the, the Packers looking ahead to the, to the Seattle game. They've got the Rams on deck. They don't want to get anybody hurt. They don't want to throw 50 times in this game. They want to try and limit the number of times their defense, the number of reps their defense has to play. I would expect a little more of a methodical approach here by Kansas City, and I think that it stays within two touchdowns. They don't have any interest in blowing out Arizona. Just keep Arizona at bay and get to the next week. Even if with a methodical approach, they're going to win this game like 31 to 10. I mean, Arizona looks like a value, but I'm not taking a struggling offense against Mahomes. Uh, you tell them they don't have to throw the ball 50 times. He could throw it 20 times, and they still score 30-plus points. The Cardinals, the Cardinals looked much better on offense in that first game with Byron Leftwich on a short week, mind you. And now they've had a bye to prepare. I think that the offense will look actually a little bit spicy. Well, I don't know. If they're, if they're down 20 in the second half, is Rosen going to get him through the back door? I don't think he can. He can, he can do it. He let him back on a comeback two weeks ago. Against... The 49ers. The Cardinals have a worse defense. I mean, the Chargers have, the, the I don't Chiefs know who they're playing. Has, the Chiefs defense has been playing better. And the best way to attack them is via the run. Arizona's last in rush DVOA, last in yards per carry. They haven't had 100 yards rushing in any game, not just a 100-yard rusher like that streak with Detroit. They haven't had 100 yards rushing as a team in any game. So I, if they're not going to be able to run the ball, which they haven't been able to, then they're not going to exploit that Chiefs weakness. I think Chiefs can get up you know, 28-7 in the first half. And then just run the ball, run the ball, and still win, you know, 38, 14, whatever. And cover. Possible. I'm not laying the points at 16 and a half. I put it as a one. Um, because I, when you got talking about the historically great offense, Casey's offense is number three in DVOA all time through nine games and they measure it since 1986. So they're chasing like the 07 Pats who were amazing. And then I think maybe 
one other Pats team or something. You know, I, f- I forgot who's second, but we're talking about a historically great offense against Arizona, who has looked like a clogged toilet offense. And I know that they're doing a little bit better with Leftwich. Maybe they'll come out of this by. They'll show us something. I'm not going to bank on it. Cleveland has a better offense than them, and they weren't able to 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 cover their number. You know, absurdly large number at home against Cleveland. It's just too many at points. home against the Chiefs. I don't see how Arizona does it. It's too many points. Give me the sixteen and a half. You just got to you got to you got to step in front of that locomotive and pray that somebody yanks you out at the last second. That's just what you have to do. Uh, segment number three. I like this segment. It's called Pete's Right. Pete's Right. Uh, RJ and I are on the same side of these games. Pete's on the other. Uh, you can play fake Pete. Why don't, um, why don't you tell me why New England, we, we both have Tennessee as a one, so we don't love the Titans catching six and a half. Um, but, but Pete has the Patriots minus six and a half on the road. My logic for the Titans, by the way, is that Bill Belichick's not going to blow up Mike Vrabel and that he also wants to get ahead and get to the bye, get healthy, and is not interested in, in blasting somebody out of the water. And I think this is a game. It's going to be like the Bills game on Monday night, except Marcus Mariota will take you through the back door, whereas Nathan Peterman couldn't do it. That, that Monday night game for Mariota, they kept on getting in third and long, and they were able to pick it up. And I just don't know that you're going to do that against Bill Belichick over and over and over. Um, so I, I'm not going to count on that. Um, I think the value is on Tennessee. My power ratings, I'm going to put it at, at four. So that's why I put Tennessee as a one. But I'm in no rush to put them on the card against New England. Tennessee's allowed the fewest points in the league, but New England can exploit mismatches. Like Malcolm Butler is getting burned left and right. And you know that New England <laughs> has picked that out, and they're going to find ways to take advantage of that. A Tennessee's defense, we think of them as good. That's because they limit the possessions they have to defend against. They're just 20th in DVOA, 24th against the pass. New England's back to playing well on the road after having that skid early in the year. Um, so I'm not too worried about their offense not showing up in this game. And I do think Tennessee's offense might have trouble moving the ball because New England's defense is a little bit underrated. I think they're like 12th in, in DVOA or something, some solid number that you wouldn't expect. Um, 13th. So 13th, yeah. Yep. So Tennessee will have to limit possessions to keep this game close. It's possible they do that. It's possible they keep converting the third and longs. Um, it's probably just going to be a stay away from me because I could see New England winning this by 10 easily. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like somebody in my mentions, uh, this, this week was like, I tweeted like something about the Belichick, the, the inside the NFL clip of Belichick mic'd up or whatever. And somebody in my mentions was like, look, Belichick's defense have stunk for the last 10 years. Overrated coach. Not that great. It's like, okay, that's, there's somebody with every opinion out there now. Like every, like if you think Belichick sucks as a coach, then I don't know how you're smart enough to still be living a past the age of however, however old you have to be to sign up for a Twitter account. Like you shouldn't have made, you shouldn't have made it this far in life if you think Belichick uh, is, is a bad head coach. Moving along, Pete also likes the Atlanta Falcons. This is, I called him, I joked about it, RJ. I called him public Pete Prisco on the Sportsline show on, on Tuesday. He didn't like it. He texted me after and was like, public Pete? No, that's, you think that's hilarious. I'm like, was very touchy when I kept on bringing up how, yeah, public has been doing great the last few weeks. He's like, I'm not public. I was like, I didn't say you were. I just said the public. Like I got, I went two and three. Like I didn't go 0 and five. It's not like all my picks are super sharp. I, I play a few public sides here and there where they make sense. And I'm not saying that just because you're doing good and the public's doing good that you have to be public. You know, you're finding the right spots oh, to play, but public Pete Prisco, he's <laughs> nailing them. Look, he's got, I mean, New England is fine. The Patriots win cover all 60% of the time. You're just betting against Belichick's a bad idea, but the Falcons minus four at the Browns. He's got it as a three. I've got Cleveland as a three. You got Cleveland as, as a two. This game stinks, RJ. It stinks out loud. The Browns just got blasted by a high flying offense with no great defense at home. And now they're, they've cut the point spread in half. What, what, what? Cleveland's going to yeah, win. Well, Atlanta's not anywhere near Kansas nah, of course level. Not. So. Cleveland's going to win this game outright. 
Uh, I don't know. Power rating sign is uh, Atlanta minus one and a half to me, so I think there is value on the home dog. Atlanta's fourth in pass offense, Cleveland's second in pass defense per DVOA, so that's strength versus strength there. All other units, you know, run offense and defense and then the other other passing matchup are lower than 20th in DVOA on each side. So it's a really ugly game as far as what these teams do well, except for that one thing they both do exceptionally well. But we saw Kansas City take advantage of Cleveland's pass offense last last week, so – it's not like Cleveland's going to get stops against anyone with that pass defense. They still have to play well. I think if they can get some stops, they could win this game. But their defense is more and more banged up. They put a couple guys on IR this week. They got a couple more um, questionable and missing practice and that kind of thing. So if they're not at full health, and Greg Williams is obviously dividing his time between coordinating the defense and head coaching, who knows if they show up and have a good game. Um, Atlanta's defense has been better in the last two weeks against bad teams. They're awful in the season, but it's not like Cleveland is running away on offense either. Um, so I think Atlanta wins by two or three. I think Cleveland's defense, if they show up well, they could get the win. So if I had to pick it, I'd take Cleveland, but it's probably not going to be on my card. Yeah, I ended up passing on the Browns. It's too scary for me. All right, let's get to the last segment. The Lou Sorry to everybody that I did that. There are five games. I'm reading RJ's script exactly because it made me laugh as I was reading it in my head. Uh, there are five games left. We agree on all of them. Throwing in our two of our number ones and we have more consensus picks this week, uh, this, th- than where even one of us disagrees. This week is going to be a disaster. It'll be a disaster. <laughs> I'll get you tickets. By the way, just so people, people listen to us on Friday, NC State was favored by 20 points against a football team. In 2018, what the hell is happening? I, I, I'll be stunned if we won by, I, I think we could blow Wake Forest out, and maybe we did, hopefully we did, but 20 points, that's ridiculous. It's like It's very telling that after you, you screened losers for the segment here, <laughs> then you felt that they need to talk about NC State. It's very yeah, telling. I know. Just hope we get, just go four and get that New Year's playoff berth, no big deal. Uh, Buffalo plus six at New Jersey, all three of us have Buffalo. Here's the simple explanation. The Jets shouldn't be favored by a touchdown over anyone. Agree? Uh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, it's two top ten defense. Bu- Buffalo defies like and throwing. Like you said it earlier. I said, "Oh, Bears, Trubisky." I said, "What about the Bills?" You said, "Okay, throw them out. They're not. They don't count on anyone." So you can't use that same logic here with the Jets. <laughs> well, the Jets aren't very good. They're two bottom five offenses, two bottom top five defenses. Take the under in this game at thirty seven. I mean, it's a low. Don't I think you? It's agree? like thirty six and a half. Is it? It's, it's thirty seven. I mean, seriously, take the under, right? Uh, yeah, it's, that's super low. It kind of depends on who's playing. I think McCown can have some success. Um, you know, it's not like he's, he's this Nick Mullins type that's coming in and, or Nathan Peterman, I guess I should say, because Nick Mullins, Nick Nick Mullins played really well against a, uh, D2 defense, uh, on Thursday. Um, so both his offenses are awful. You're right. But the Bills are 32nd. The Jets are, I don't know, like 28, 29. So it seems like they're pretty close. The Bills are historically bad. They're they're like twice as bad as like 31 or 30. So they're not even in the same league as far as how awful they are. Um, total's 36 and a half. Uh, you know, I don't think know how you can lay this many points in a six and a half game when the total is that low because it implies like a 21.5 versus a 15 score when you add up the 36 right. and a half or 17. And how are the Jets going to get to 20 points even if McCown plays pretty solid? Bills have a solid defense. Jets have scored 17 points or less in six of their last eight. I think the Bills will handle them defensively. We'll see. Just like that uh, Dolphins-Jets game, it'll be like a 13-6 Jets win or something like that. 13-9 maybe, 10-3. So I'm not in no rush to lay the number here. Uh, we've all got the Giants as well. Pete's got them as a three. You've got them as a two. I've got them as a one. I think this is another case of a uh, – a, um uh, overreaction to what the Nick Mullins factor. And right. you heard, uh, Heath Cummings say it yesterday too, like, I'm not buying the, the Nick Mullins magic. And, and I don't, anybody who, take the points. Two bad teams are playing. Take the points, right? 
Right, and he's he's now spent you know one and a half weeks hearing about how great he is, how <laughs> hearing his name in, in in comparison to Joe Montana and Brett you know, Favre, and, yeah. and uh and yeah, and it's you know it's he might be the most humble kid in the world. I don't, I don't I'm not going to confess that I've scouted him fully and I know everything about him, but it's got to get to you. You got to think that you you might have a chance of being successful in this league when people are talking you up like that. But they're not going to play as good as they played against the no-show Raiders. The Giants have been bad, but they haven't been no-showing. Five of their seven losses have been by seven points or less. I wouldn't give San Fran the full three for home field anyway, and I do think the Giants are the better team here when you consider Nick Mullins as that quarterback. So that's why I would, lay, I would uh, take the three points. Uh, I might put it in the contest. I still haven't decided. I put the Giants in the contest, I want to say week three or week four, and it and I said never again. Yep. I'm not, not, not putting any this team in my, my picks ever again. But this looks like a great spot for him, so who knows? Maybe I'll talk myself into it. Uh, we also all have Philly. I'll take this one because I think Philly is uh, is a great pick, minus 6.5. I almost took them in the Super Contest, but I wanted to go heavy on the dogs. Uh, Dallas stinks. It's as simple as that. Dallas stinks. Philly's coming off a bye. Philly's the better coach team. Philly is going to smash them in the face and pass it all over them. And then Dallas is going to try and run. Zeke Elliott's going to get stymied. They're going to try and pass. Dak Prescott's going to make mistakes, and Philly's going to steamroll them on Sunday night, and then Jason Garrett is going to get fired on Monday morning. It's as simple as that. Cincinnati plus five and a half uh, uh, against New Orleans. We've all got Cincinnati as well. Pete and I have it as a three. You have it as a two. To me, this is also a sort of a spot play. Like, the weather's bad. No one's betting on Cincinnati. Uh, AJ Green is out. Nobody wants Andy. Nobody buys Andy Dalton, et cetera, et cetera. I just think it's a, a, a spot where you play the uh the same the, the the Bengals getting the points at home yeah uh they have enough weapons even without AJ Green it's not like this is losing Odell Beckham and you don't have anybody else to throw to um they're getting healthy Bernard's practicing Billy Price of center's practicing John Ross is practicing uh since he hasn't played well after a bye but they typically play those games on a road now they get to be at home um New Orleans 29th in points per drive allowed I think that even without AJ Green Cincinnati can move the ball on this pass defense um, and it feels like a letdown spot for New Orleans after that huge win. I, maybe they win the game. Maybe it's close late and they kick a field goal late to win. But I think five and a half is too many and we're getting value with Cincy. Yep. Uh, Tampa Bay minus three against Washington. I hate fading my Redskins. Uh, they are on the road. They don't play very well on the road, typically speaking. And I don't like backing Tampa, but I actually have this, uh, have Tampa in my super contest picks because the Redskins are so banged up on offense, I don't think they'll be able to do anything. And I think Tampa will be able to create some shots downfield against what has been a good Redskins defense. The Redskins are, are like the Jaguars last year. They cannot come back once you get up on them. And I think Tampa Bay will be able to do that and will have to keep scoring because their defense is so bad. Yeah, Tampa has the worst in the league for DVOA, but the strength is the front four, you know, especially with Curry and McCoy healthy. And so when you couple that with Washington's offensive line injuries, they're going to have a really big problem on offense. They don't really have a lot of playmakers to break the game open. You know, maybe you can get Maurice Harris to get to get a long play uh, and get a touchdown out of that. But I don't know how they keep up with the Tampa offense if they play like they have played this season um, when they're not playing super tough defenses. Um, Atlanta offense carved up Washington D last week. I think you can see a similar game here, so I would lay the points with Tampa too. All right, there it is. And here are our top five consensus picks based on Pete, RJ, and myself. The Clippers, I did it again. Unbelievable. The Chargers <laughs> minus nine and a half. The LAC just gets me every time. Chargers minus nine and a half at Oakland. Seattle plus nine and a half at the Rams. Tampa Bay minus three. Cincinnati plus five and a half. And Philly minus six and a half. R.J. White, you can follow him at R.J. White 1. Go check out Sportsline.com. Get his picks for uh, for the season. A dollar for the first month if you use promo code WHITE. And make sure to watch uh, Pete on CBS Sports HQ, which he will undoubtedly be doing. Uh, he'll be back next week. <laughs>